uh, of John chapter 12, and uh, I really I had a topic that I I actually basically wrote the sermon in my head, and then this week I was praying and I, I was asking God, and and God really kind of like steered me into this direction of the topic that I'm going to be preaching today, and so I'm going to take a break from John for for just this week, um, and this sermon that I'm preaching is has been inspired by Instagram. Um, I've been in this season. I've, the season of anxiety, I've been feeling very stressed with a lot of school stuff over my head, as well as the sanctuary search and many things that are happening. And uh, I was able, I, I was going through my Instagram feed, just like right, I think it was in the morning, uh, I was taking a break, I might have been in the bathroom, I don't know exactly where, but I was just scrolling through my Instagram feed and I read uh, some, some, some things on Instagram that really ministered to my heart. I remember at that moment, you know, like it's weird, you know, God can use a donkey, to speak to you, right? In the, in the Old Testament, God used a donkey to speak to um, people. And so um, I was, you know, God used Instagram to speak to my heart. Um, and I really got ministered uh, as I was reading these things. And, um, and this is, that's kind of where my, my sermon started from. And it was really inspired um, by um, what I read. And um, the topic that I want to talk about today is uncertainty. Right? Uncertainty. Um, you know, I want to read the passages for today. That uh, it really is not really the passage that's going to really steer my sermon, but it's the foundation of the truth that God has for us, and it comes from Hebrews 11, verse one. And I want to read it to you guys. Now, faith is assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. I want you guys to kind of focus on those words, not seen. Um, and then a few verses after that. We have verse 6, and it says, Without faith it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Right. So the topic that I want to talk about today is uncertainty. Now, I've been alive for almost 45 years. I'm 44. I turned 45 in October. Um, I'm, I've been, I'm well, I think I'm well past, you know, half of my life. You know, and so I've been on this earth for quite a long time, and and the one thing that I learned that and that I'm certain of is that there will be uncertainty in your life. We can be certain that there, that we will face uncertainty. I want to ask you guys a question today: Who likes uncertainty? Is anybody in here like uncertainty? There's some people that are like, I love the adventure, you know, like I love not knowing. No, right, like. No one wants uncertainty in your life, right? No one loves uncertainty. We all want to be sure, right? We want to be sure. We all want to everything to line up, to go our way, for us to be in that place of certainty, right? Um, that we have, that we know that we have, we'll have our provisions. We know that we, you know, we will, we will have what we need and what we want. We want that certainty that everything's going to work out, that we'll be healthy, that we'll be fed, we'll be provided for. That we'll have the job that we want and the, and the girl or the guy that we like will like us back. We want certainty, right? Like a lot of guys, you know, before they ask a girl out, they want, they text them and, you know, because they, so they, they want to make sure that, you know, they're certain that they like them back. We want certainty in our lives. Right? We all want certainty. And we, we do everything that we can to try to make sure that we have certainty in our lives. But here's the thing. Where does God reside, right? If this is a place of certainty, right? This is, this is the place of certainty. And this is a place of uncertainty, right? 
Where does where does God usually hang out in this in this in this in the in the in the either in the place of certainty or does he hang out in the place of uncertainty? Where is God in this place? Does he exist in the land of certainty or does he exist in the land of uncertainty? It's not that God is uncertain, he's he's the only certain thing or the certain certainty in this universe. He, he leads, like he is the only one that is certain in this universe and he leads his people through uncertainty. Right? He hangs out so much more in that place of uncertainty. Almost every story in the Bible, the Old Testament and the New Testament, talk about people that faced uncertainty. He exists in that place of uncertainty. He's not uncertain. He's the only certain thing in this universe. There's no one that is more certain than God, right? And it, as Christians, the only one thing that we can truly be certain of is God. But He likes to hang out in the place of uncertainty. You know, some stories that we read in the Bible is Abraham, right? God gives him this calling, and God tells him, like, you, you know, you're going to be, you're going to be the father of nations. You're going to be a great person. You're going to be you know, like, like you, I'm going to create a nation out of you. But, he, but initially, he tells them to go. Like Abram. His name was Abram back then, right? Before he became Abram. He's like, Abram, go. Right? And he doesn't really tell them where he's supposed to go. He's like, to the place that I will tell you, right? Basically, he's saying, go. And when you get there, you're going to know, right? And I'll make you into a great nation. You'll be the father of a nation. And, and Abram asks him, How? The only thing that we truly know about Abraham and Sarah in the Bible from the beginning of their story is, is that they're old, right? We know that they're old and we know that Sarah is barren, right? Those are the only two things that really stand out in their story is that they're old and that we know that Sarah is barren. And, and Abraham asks God, how is this going to happen? How will you do this? My wife is barren. She's like old. I'm old. How are you saying that we're going to be, that I'm going to be a father of a nation? And what does God say? God says, just go. Just go. He goes. He's given no certainty. As a matter of fact, everything is set against him. And yet, in the midst of the uncertainty, Abraham, he goes. Moses, just a a book right after, you know, Abraham in Exodus. God tells him to go and tell Pharaoh, you know, Moses, I want you to go and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And Moses responds like, you know what? I don't speak that well. Like, I'm not a good speaker. You know, some, some say he may have had a stutter. Have you ever heard somebody that talk that has a stutter? They don't seem that commanding, right? <laughs> They're not, you've never seen a general that stutters, right? Never seen a president that stutters. He's like, I don't speak that well. No one's going to listen to me. There's no certainty about what he is called to do. But he goes, and God calls... He creates these amazing miracles, these ten plagues that fall upon Egypt. And, and, and Pharaoh actually tells the Israelites, go, get out of here. Literally kicks them out of the country. He gives them all this gold and all these possessions and saying, get out of here. And they go and they're at the edge of the, the Red Sea. And they have to cross over to the other side. And all of a sudden they look back and the Egyptians' armies are barreling down on them. They've changed their mind. They're like, oh, we like the free labor. Right? Like, you know, like we don't, we realize we don't like making bricks and, you know, we make a lot of bricks. So we want the Israelites back and they're coming down. 
And, and how are the, the Israelites supposed to get to the other side? Now, are they supposed to build boats? Do they try to go around? Right? They face this uncertainty. What will we do? And they do the one thing that we all do when we face uncertainty. What do we do when we face uncertainty? We complain. Right? <laughs> I complain all the time when we face uncertainty. And they complain. They're like, Moses, why would you bring us out here? You brought us out here to basically die. They, they tell Moses, dude, why don't you leave so that now we can go back and serve the Egyptians? Get out of here so that we can settle for what we can do. But what does God tell Moses? Verse 15, it says, The Lord says to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Exodus 14, uh, Lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. I guarantee you when the Israelites had their how do we get across like you know idea meeting, this never came up. Nobody suggested hey, Moses, why don't you stretch out your arm and and we'll part the ocean and then we'll walk across. No one would have suggested that. Moses, he lifts up his arms, it parts, and they get across and the Egyptians try to follow and then he lowers his arms and the, the sea crashes over them and they all die. And what do the Israelites have to do to get to the other side? What do they actually really have to do? Did they have to really lift a finger? No. They didn't have to build anything. They didn't have to make anything. All they needed to do it was trust God, and Moses had to just raise up his arms, the water spread, and they got across. Move to the book right after that, Joshua, right? Joshua, Moses is dead. Joshua takes over, and, and they're at the precipice of the promised land. They can see the promised land. But there's this, there's this thing that's standing in the way, and it's the city of Jericho, and it's a fortified city. It has huge walls, right? And the city is, is filled with seasoned warriors, right? The Israelites, what kind of people are they? They were slaves for 400 years, and then they've been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, right? They're not trained warriors. They don't know how to fight. They don't have weapons. And they face a city that has the most advanced technology in military defense at the time. Huge walls, right? That was like the most advanced technology. They had these walls that were basically impenetrable, How would they conquer this city? Do they start building weapons? Do they start inventing the catapult? Right? Do they start like you know making tall ladders to get over the wall? What can they do against a city that is so well fortified? How would they get past a city faces uncertainty? And what does God tell them to do? What does God tell them to do? March around the city. March, blow trumpets, and shout. That sounds ridiculous, right? March, blow a trumpet, and shout. But what did they do? They obey and the walls come down. And, and, and the last story, that, and this, I really love this story, is the story of Gideon in the book of Judges. The Midianites are, are said to be, the army of the Midianites are said to be like the sands of the ocean, right? Uncountable, innumerable. They had hundreds of thousands of soldiers. And Israelite was being, uh, Israelites were being oppressed by the Midianites. And then there's this guy named Gideon. Right? He's, not a, he's not a warrior, he's just a man. And he's hiding in a wine press, right? Just basically a big bucket, right? Threshing some wheat so that he could have something to eat. Because the Midianites would come and they would steal all of their crops and take off and go back and, and they would have nothing to eat. So he's hiding from the Midianites, threshing wheat, you know, 
You know, like you, you, when you have wheat, you have to thresh it so that the, the husk comes off of the wheat so that he can, he can have some food that he can feed his family. And then the angel appears to him and calls him a mighty man of God, a man of valor, and tells him to go save Israel from the hands of the Midianites. And Gideon is like, what are you talking about? Can't you see I'm hiding? I'm a coward, right? You can see me hiding here in this wine press. You can see me, I'm a coward. But God tells him, you know, go... And, and, and really, like, you're, God calls him a mighty warrior when Gideon didn't feel like it. And then so Gideon goes and he raises up an army of 32,000 men. Right? He does what he thinks in his mind he should do, right? Wouldn't, wouldn't that be your plan? If you had to go against, like, an army of 100,000 people, you would go and you would try to raise up as many people as you can. You would, you would go and ask, like, your homies high school, you know, like all your friends in your neighborhood, all the people that you know, and you gather up all these people and you would try to go against this army. Um, and the more people you had, the more certain that you would feel. So he raises up 32,000 people. God tells him that's too many. Now what, Gideon's like, what are you talking about? And he tells him, if anybody of the men are afraid, if they're, if they're like fear is in their heart, tell them to go home. And 22,000 men, they say, peace out, I'm gone, <laughs> Like, I'm afraid, right? I'll probably say that. I'll be like, Gideon, I'm afraid. I'm a goat, right? And peace out. 32,000 leave, 10,000 are left. And then God tells him, you know what? That's still too many. And Gideon is like, what are you talking about? And then God tells him, go take them down to the water. And if they take the water and they cup it in their hand and they drink it like civilized people, Right? Looking around for enemies and seeing what's happening, they could stay. But if they bend over and stick their mouth to the water and drink the water like animals, right? Tell them to go home. And after that, only 300 soldiers were left. 9,700 soldiers drank like animals, right? Am I doing the math right? So instead of 32,000 men, Versus 100,000 or however many the millions. And now it's 300 men versus thousands of men. How do you think these men were feeling? Do you think they felt certain? Do you think that they felt certainty in their hearts? No. They felt uncertainty. They felt outnumbered. They felt like they were going against something that was impossible. And then God tells them His plan. And it doesn't involve weapons or shields. But once again, it involves trumpets, and this time torches and clay pots. Right? We're gonna do. We're gonna war against these Midianites with trumpets, torches, and a clay pot. This is, I'm not joking you. This is what it says in the Bible. And once again, it tells them to surround the Midian army, 300 against hundreds of thousands. Surround them, and they're gonna blow the trumpet. They're gonna smash the clay pots, and they're gonna shout. And all of a sudden, they do that. They obey. They, they blow the trumpet. They smash the clay pots. And then they shout. And then the Midianite armies turn on themselves. And they start killing each other. And they freak out. A panic comes upon them. And they flee. And Gideon and the 300 men are victorious. Let me tell you, these are not the only stories in the Bible that talk about the people of God facing uncertainty. There are almost every story of significance in the Bible Right. Everybody faces uncertainty. Even David. David literally Samuel anoints him king, but what happens? 
Saul like wants to murder him. An evil spirit enters Saul and he's like, I'm going to kill you. Right? So chucks a spear at him and he has to run and he has to, to flee. He's been anointed king. Samuel said, you're going to be king, but he's hiding in caves, right? running away from this murderous king. So many people, all of the prophets, right? God would speak to them, but no one would believe them. right? So many people in the, in, in, in the word of God, they would face uncertainty. Because God loves to hang out in that place of uncertainty. And what is common in all of these stories is they all face uncertainty. And what do they all need to do? Do they need to fight? Do they need to come up with a plan? Do they need to make weapons? No. The one constant that is in all of these stories is that they all needed to trust God to do what He wanted to do. And the, the, the next constant is who got all the glory? God got all the, God received the glory. And I want to talk to you today about things that we need to keep in mind as we face seasons of uncertainty in our lives. And the first thing that we need to keep in mind is that uncertainty is inevitable because a lot of times they are ordained by God. Here's the first thing that we have to change in our thinking about uncertainty. We can't try to avoid them because they're inevitable. We all will face uncertainty and uncertain times in our lives and we have to change our mindset from how do I get out of this uncertainty to what does God want me to learn and how does He want me to change and how does He want to change me through these seasons of uncertainty. The Bible tells us, Romans, uh, Romans 8.28, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. He works all things for good, including our seasons of uncertainty. Here's the thing. There are lessons that we can learn only in times of uncertainty. I'm going to say that again. There are lessons that God wants us to learn that we can only learn in seasons of uncertainty. Because when we're certain, not a lot of lessons are learned, right? When everything is going the way we want, right, and it's all rainbows and unicorn, we aren't learning many lessons. But this is what happens, at least this is what happens to me, and please don't judge me. But when times are good, it's all good. I get distracted by all the goodness, and I'm not learning many lessons from God, right? But when uncertainty comes, I start to freak out. And I tell God, God, fix it. Make it better. I don't like how this is feeling. And we tell God, I'll pay attention to you, God, when you make things better. But please, remove this uncertainty from my life right now. I don't like it. And then things get better. And and things become all good again. And all of a sudden, we get distracted. But here's the thing, how we see and relate to God in good times will affect how we see Him in uncertain times. Meaning if we are not building that personal relationship with God and going into His Word and communing with Him in prayer and in worship, when uncertainty comes, we will not have what it takes for us to trust in Him and learn the lessons that He has for us in times of uncertainty. We have to build our relationship with Jesus. Learn to go to Him in times of certainty when things are good and things are going right so that when uncertainty comes, we face 
it the right way. We don't try to avoid it. We don't try to fix it on our own. But we learn to trust him and seek the lessons and the transformation that he has for us in these seasons of uncertainty. You know, like, because me, my, my go-to move when uncertainty comes is the first, I try to fix it. And I, I don't try to fix it by the will of God or by the voice of God. I try to fix it on my own. I'll be like, hey! Because I'm a, I'm a man. That's what, like, men usually try to do. Like, I'm going to fix it. Remember Wreck-It Ralph? I can fix it, right? What was his name? Fix it, Felix, or whatever his name is. I can fix this, right? Uncertainty comes. I'll be like, I, I, we could do this. We could do that. I can, I can make this happen. I can try to do this. And all of a sudden, the less of it works, the more anxious and more fearful we start to become. Right? A lot of times, like we end up making bad decisions, or we start, we, you know, like we start doing things, and 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 we we end up in a place where God doesn't really want us to be because we try to fix it on our own. But the first lesson is we have to understand that uncertainty is unavoidable we can't try to avoid it but we have to see it as an opportunity for God to, to, to speak to us and to lead us and to guide us and for us to trust in Him and that leads me to my next point and is that uncertainty is designed for us to trust God and for Him to build faith in us God ordains our seasons of uncertainty not because He hates us or because He's punishing us or because He's tired of us messing up Uncertainty is designed for us to trust Him and strengthen our faith. And we think that, oh, if we have faith, it's faith. I have faith. I believe in Jesus. That's, that's, that's all I need. But our faith is supposed to be worked out. Right? We all, I've been exercising these days. I don't know if you can tell, because you really can't tell, right? It's funny, because like when like a really skinny person loses weight, it's very noticeable, right? When AJ lost like a bunch of weight, I can notice, right? He, he, looks, he looks good in his pictures. Right? But when a, when a big guy loses, I, I think I lost about 5 kilos, which is like 10 pounds. You can't really tell, right? right? I've, been, I've been running every day. I've been, I've been lifting weights every day. You can't tell because, you know, like, I think that's not fair, right? <laughs> but it's just like the muscles that we have in our bodies, right? They need to be worked out for it to become stronger, right? And in the same way, our faith is supposed to be worked out. It's supposed to be tested. James 1, 2. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. The Bible tells us to have the completely opposite reaction to uncertainty than what we are so used to having, Count it all joy. See it as an opportunity. I never see it this way. When uncertainty comes, I'd be like, what am I going to do? First, I'd be like, fix it, fix it. And then when it don't work, we're like, God, why are you doing this? We start blaming God. God, fix it. Make it better. Right? Change things. Change the universe so that this thing goes away in my life. But then the Bible tells us, count it all joy. See it as an opportunity. For us to become stronger, for our steadfastness to grow, and for our faith to become stronger. And God brings us into these seasons of uncertainty so that we can trust in Him and be steadfast in faith through it. So we can learn our lessons 
Why? Because only when we learn our lessons are we ready for the greater assignments that God has for us. Now, God has plans and purposes for your life. But God's not going to bring you into those seasons and into those purposes unless you learn the lessons that you have to learn. This is one of the principles and one of the truths of God. And you will never learn those lessons if you avoid uncertainty all the time, doing whatever you think is right to make things better. Now, some of us, we feel stuck. Like we're not where we ought to be in life. God hasn't opened certain doors for us. But I want to ask you, what is your decision-making process in, in seasons of uncertainty? Are you allowing your faith to be tested? Are you remaining steadfast and trusting God and His character to do what He wants to do in your life? Or are you living your life just avoiding uncertainty? Because if you do that, you miss out on the plans and the purposes and the lessons that God has for you. And, and, and God is faithful. And he will, just change, he will just challenge you again in the next season of uncertainty in your life. If you don't learn your lesson the first time, God's not going to be like, Oh, I'm done with you. No, God is faithful and you're just going to have to learn it the next time. And if you don't learn it that time, you're going to learn it the time after. That's how we get stuck in these, in these seasons of our lives. Because God, His purpose isn't for us. He's not there to answer our, answer our, like, you know, our wishes. He's not, there to, he's not a vending machine where we tell Him what he, we want Him to do and He does it. God, is, God wants us to learn. God wants us to grow. God wants us to be strengthened. He wants us to be better this year than we were last year. He wants us to be stronger this year than we were last year. And let me tell you, I'm in the process of learning this. I haven't mastered this. I want to tell you that when things happen, when uncertainty happens, I, I, I don't. Mina is great. Right? Mina is she's a woman of faith. I married very well. I married. I married up. And you guys talk about like how you married up. I like, I married up. She's not only just really pretty and, uh, and skinny. She, uh, these days she thinks she's fat. I think that's ridiculous, right? Every day she's like, look at my belly, look at my belly. And I'd be like, you don't have a belly, right? You have like bondage, right? <laughs> like, you think you're, you think you're fat. Look at me, right? But, but I married up because Mina is always looking at things through this lens of faith, right? But I want to tell you that I, I, I'm in this process of learning these lessons. Because my go-to move, like most men in the world, is I want to fix it. I got to do this to make it better. Right? I want to I remove these uncertainties so that me and my family can be in a place of certainty. It's, but it's not there for us to avoid it, but for us to push through in faith, to strengthen your faith so that you know not what you are capable of, but what God is capable of. And this leads me to my last point, is that my last point is we learn from uncertainty when we have confidence in what God can do and not what we can do. When you avoid uncertainty, you know what you are capable of. You have uncertainty and you do what you think is right to fix it and you get rid of that uncertainty, you learn what you are capable of. But when you trust in Him and you face your uncertainty looking for what God wants to do, you learn what God is capable of. 
And when you look back at the stories of the Bible, the Red Sea, the walls of Jericho, the Midianites, it was never about what the Israelites were capable of doing, but it was all about what God was capable of doing. And you, you, we will not learn in our hearts through experience what God is capable of until we face your uncertainty and we put our faith in God and we watch God do what he wants to do. Ephesians 3.20, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us. God wants us to learn what that far more abundantly than we can ask or imagine is. Because we're like children. We are so short-sighted, right? We can't see the big picture. We, have, we get stuck in tunnel vision. You know what tunnel vision is? It's like you, have you ever gotten like a toilet paper roll and you look through it and all you can see is whatever that toilet paper roll looks at, right? We get stuck in tunnel vision. And we, we think, this is what I need. If I have this, I will have certainty, right? This is what I want. And if I have this, I, everything will be right. Everything will be good. And we get so short-sighted. We're like the kids, right? Ezra and Ethan, right? They're so short-sighted. They're like, if that, if I have this toy, I will never want another toy ever again in my life, right? Like, like God, if you do this, I'm not God, I'm not God, but Dad, if you do this for me, I, like, I won't ask for anything else, right? This, this is all, they're so short-sighted, and then they get that thing, and they play with it for like 30 minutes, and then it's on the floor, right? They're so short-sighted, but then when, when God sees us, that's how He sees us. And then when Ethan Ezra doesn't get it, he gets he's devastated. His world has come to an end. Everything around them has crumbled. He cries like, ah. And when God sees us, that's how God sees us, right? <laughs> he is God. He is all that is good. Goodness is who he is. And goodness exists in this world because of him. It's his character and he's love. He's all that is love. Love exists in this world because of him. And he says that he has a plan for us. He tells us, I'm not going to show you the big picture, but I want you to trust me. And, and this is uncertainty. This whatever uncertainty that you're facing is not greater than me. Trust me. And we're looking at him through paper, paper, to- paper toilet, paper rolls, saying, God, I need this. Forget about what you want, right? I don't need to trust you if I have this. How many times have we, we never said that to God, but how many of times have we felt that in our lives? I feel that all the time. God is saying like, God is like, just trust me, Caleb. Just trust me. And I'm like, God, I don't need to trust you. I, if you just give me this, if this happens in my life, Right? Everything's gonna be good. Everything's gonna be copacetic. And we're not, I'm not gonna really even need to trust you if you give me this. Right? We get so short-sighted. We get tunnel vision. But God is saying, I know everything. I am God. And I'm good. And I'm, I love you. And you just need to trust me. I'm gonna hold your hand and walk with you through this valley. I'm gonna be with you. And, and, and we get stuck looking at whatever it is that we think in our own understanding and in our own, and whatever we think in our hearts and, and, you know, like our immature and childish mindset. We're like, God, 
this is what I need. You don't know, God. This is what I need. This is how you can help me do it now. Fix it now. But brothers and sisters, he is the only certainty in this universe. For us believers, we know nothing in this universe is certain except him. And here's the thing. A lot of times what God wants you to do might sound ridiculous. And raise your arms and part the sea. March around the walls and play a trumpet and shout. And play the trumpet. Smash some clay pots. What are you talking about God, right? These are ridiculous. Right? Militarily, all of the things I just described to you is ridiculous, right? No general will plan an attack saying, you know what, we're just going to march around the enemy and blow trumpets and we're going to shout and we're going to win. But here's the thing, God brings us into the ridiculous to display His amazing power. To make sure we know that it's not us, it's not our might, it's not our strength, it's not our understanding, but Him at work in our lives. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and He will make your path straight. But this requires us to embrace the uncertainty and to trust Him and His voice, and His words in our lives. And I preach this sermon, I'm preaching to myself, because right now, along with our church, with me, you know, we're facing uncertainty. And we need to move this sanctuary, and at, at this point, you know, we don't know where we're going to go, and at times, I feel anxious. This wakes me up in the middle of the night, guys. I'll wake up, and I'll be like, oh, what are we going to do? Like, I wake up in the middle of the night, and I'm like, God, and then God's like, you should pray. And I'm like, oh, God. And then when I pray, I'm, always, I'm just begging God, God, fix it. <laughs> fix it now, right? Just give us this perfect sanctuary, and just, just, just that's all we need, right? But God's saying like, hey, I'm, I'm with you in this uncertainty. I'm with you. And I remember when you know, we had this great place. And when I saw the pictures, I was like, God, this is perfect. This place in Centum City is perfect, right? It had, it had pews, and it was nice. It was big enough for us, and it had separate room for the kids. And it was really clean, and it was nice. And I was like, this is perfect. And we went and, me and I saw the pastor, and we asked him. And they're like, oh, we'll get back to you. And I remember getting the test, like, hey, we talked to the elders, and they're not on board, so we're sorry. And I remember saying, God, why? Right? I'm like, why are you doing this to me? It was perfect. And as we face these uncertain times, we feel uncomfortable, we feel stressful. But I'm learning God wants us to know that He is with us in the uncertainty. He is with us in the times of uncertainty. He wants us to trust Him in our seasons of uncertainty. Like Joseph you remember Joseph? His brothers take him and sell him off into slavery. Imagine you're him. Imagine your brothers send you. You're, all of a sudden, you're your dad's favorite. You had this nice coat. You know, it's more, like, many colors. I don't know what it looked like, but it's just like it's a coat of many colors, right? Back then, color was very expensive, right? Dye was expensive. And so he had this color. Everybody's like, why you get that coat, right? And then brothers sell him off into slavery. And he gets sold into this man's house. And then his wife accuses him, falsely accuses him of rape and sends him to prison. Imagine the uncertainty that you're facing in your life. 
the scriptures tell us that every stage of Joseph's life, God was with him. God was with him as he was being sold off into slavery and he was with him in Potiphar's house as a slave and he was with him in prison. And in prison, right, he interprets his dreams of, of, of the cupbearer for the king and the baker. And then the cupbearer actually becomes free, but the, but the cupbearer forgets about Joseph, right? He's in the prison that much longer, but the Bible says that he was with Joseph. God is with us in our uncertainty. The Bible tells us that God will never leave us, that He will never forsake us, that nothing can separate us from His love. Some of you guys today are feeling like, like me, are feeling uncertain about your life, uncertain about your circumstances. You may have anxiety, you may have fear. But let's allow the Spirit of God and the Word of God to change our understanding for us to see this uncertainty not as a curse but as an opportunity. An opportunity for us to draw near to Him. Opportunity to trust Him. Opportunity for us to, to witness what He can do. Right? The Israelites could have you know, made weapons and tried to fight Jericho. They could have, you know, like all the, the 32,000 men could have tried whatever they could to, to defeat the Midian army. But they saw what God can do. And let's get into this place of faith so that we can really, really get into that place where we can try to see what God can do in our lives. God wants you to know that He is good and He is with you. Don't ask Him to remove uncertainty, but ask Him what He wants us to learn and how He wants us to change as we put our faith in Him and we look to see what He can do. Not, not based on our understanding, but based on His understanding, His wisdom, his righteousness and His goodness, what He is capable of in our lives and the situations that we find ourselves in. And we all face uncertainty. And some of you guys today might be fa- you know, facing uncertain times. Can you come up, Tiffany? And, and some of you guys might be feeling anxious. Some of you guys might be feeling fearful. And I want us to... Go into a time of response. Let's close our eyes.